We will allow some more time if you need prayer for something. We will have leaders available here at the end. So if you need specific prayers, uh, we will mention that at the end as well. They'll be up front here uh, if you do need those uh, needs specifically prayed for. And uh, We are in the book of 1 Peter. Um, so if you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, and Peter... We've been, in the last few uh, few sections, Peter's been getting pretty serious with us. Uh, and I decided, I told my wife last night, this was as I was talking to her a little bit, uh, trying to, what is it you people do sometimes? Uh, verbally process things out loud, okay? She likes to do that. I don't. Uh, when Ashley preaches, I know exactly what she's going to say, because we've already talked it over all week, and she's been talking about it. When I preach, I prefer, I don't want anybody to hear it until Sunday morning, not including myself. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's going to be the first time, and if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad, but I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to practice it. You know, there's some p- pastors that used to, you know, they'd practice their sermon, preach to an empty congregation, and, oh, that doesn't work. Preaching in Bible college to your classmates. Well, that's probably the worst thing ever right there. Uh, like if you can preach with your classmates in college, you can do it with anybody. Um, but uh, so as I was, you know, sharing with her a little bit, I knew she, she's in VBS, you know, every week for five weeks. So I said, yeah, you know, tomorrow is uh, it's a section on, on marriage. Uh, and she says, oh, I'm not going to be in there. So that's kind of scary. Um, <laughs> something like that. She said something like that. I said, yeah, it's interesting. These last few sections of, of Peter have been really hitting stuff hard, you know, and it's, and it's about the three things we complain about the most. Uh, government, work, and our marriage. <laughs> it's just the sections Peter's just going right through. He's like, submit to the governor. Whether you like him or not, whether he's for you or not, uh, whatever, you submit to him. Unless he's telling you to violate the word of God or violate something that's, uh, you know, there's a higher truth in the scriptures, then uh, you submit to the governor. And he said, as we talked about last week, slaves, and there's a whole whole thing about that. This was household servants. You'll have to listen to the last message to know that the Bible is not condoning slavery of any kind. Um, but an application for us today is honor your boss. When he treats you badly, you still work hard and honor him. You live a life that's a witness and a testimony to bring people to Jesus, that your life here matters. Whether that's with the government, whether that's with your workplace, and then he finally gets home and in the home. So for those of you that aren't married, currently married, or aren't married yet, um, you can breathe a sigh of relief that Peter's, Peter's going to give you a break today. Like, whew, I can just relax uh, and, and pray for the couple that you see sitting next to you, okay? So let's read this scripture. We're in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 7. Um, It says this, In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live. 
when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Oh, I messed up the sentence. That's part of that last one. <clears throat> Let's try that again. They may be won over without a word by the way their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. I've definitely never preached on this passage before, and you can see why. <laughs> there is a whole lot of stuff that you can get way off in the weeds, and Ashley's not here, so I'm not promising that we won't get there. Um, there's no... Somebody give me the choke sign on the front. <laughs> Sharon, all the ladies in the front here, you, if you give me this sign, <laughs> that means I'm going to choke you afterwards if you keep talking, okay? Um, <clears throat> there is a whole lot going on here, but we have to remember, the first of all, the whole context of what Peter is saying. Peter is talking to people about living their lives in such a way that even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, even when you're in the midst of trials, that you live such a life that you're going to win over people that don't know Jesus. That's the whole point of this. That's the whole point of slaves, of submit to your master, of, you know, of... Workers, honor and submit to those who are in authority and leadership over to you. It's not so, well, so you can learn a good lesson and you can just do it right, the right way and you can be told what to do. No, it's, it's a greater purpose. It's saying, hey, you live your life so that they see someone and something different in your life and maybe their heart will be won over. Even though they will recognize the own wrongness in their own heart and the rightness in your heart by the blood of Jesus and by the grace of God will begin to win them over. And so that's what Peter is saying here. The same thing. So, a couple of things for context. We have to understand, number one, uh, what was the cultural place of women at this time that Peter was writing, right? Because Peter was not writing in 2020. Thank goodness. Who knows what he wrote in 2020, right? <laughs> but uh, Peter was not writing in 2020. He was writing in the ancient Roman Empire in the first part of the first century A.D., and so there was a little bit different situation for you ladies, unfortunately, at that time. Now, for a Jewish woman, a Jewish woman was actually pretty low on the, on the totem pole, so to speak. That's probably not even politically correct, is it? Um, <laughs> she was pretty low on the level of, of society. The Jewish culture was very patriarchal and very... Uh, 
The man is in charge, and what the man says goes. Think about this. Think about when Jesus is with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and he's talking to a Samaritan woman. And so, first of all, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans, but it was also kind of strange for him to even be talking to some woman that he had never met because she was not worthy to be talked to in the, in the general Jewish culture of this day. We're not saying that that's what God wanted from the scriptures or anything. We're saying this is how the Jewish culture was in the first century. And so when the disciples come back, what are they? It says they're shocked that he's talking with a, a woman. And she happens to be a Samaritan woman, which is like a double whammy. Like it's like a woman and that type of woman, you know? And it's like, what, what is going on? Jesus, you know, because Jesus, Everything Jesus did, if you notice, when he's on earth, he was elevating women above where society had them. And so the, the, when, when Jesus comes, the new covenant is established, and so now the people of God, they get to live at a higher standard than the world and lift the world to the standard of the kingdom of heaven. And so... Women in the Jewish culture, they couldn't own stuff, they didn't have many rights, they were pretty much told what to do, and, you know, they didn't, you know, you didn't get a choice in, in much of anything, really. But, now in the Roman culture, in the area of Asia Minor, where Peter is writing to the people, women actually did have some rights. There was a, they were able in some, sometimes to hold property, to own businesses, and in fact, sometimes have sort some sort of vote in political issues of the time. So they had already been somewhat elevated. Now, let's be honest, in the first century, it was still pretty backward. Uh, there were still all kinds of oppression and abuse and, you know, male dominance that, you know, was not totally right. But in this, set, in this setting where Peter is actually writing to these believers... Some of them were Jews, but some of them would have been Gentiles. And so they are, there's a mixture there. And so that's the context of what uh, Peter is writing to. And so he's writing to women. So we can understand that for, for the Jewish woman, she doesn't need to be told to just, hey, you can just do what you're told, right? Their culture was already telling them that. So what what is Peter saying here? Is he saying... Women, just all you're good for is just do what you're told. Don't ever say this. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting choked right now. No one's making the signal. <laughs> what, so what is Peter saying? Is he saying just this is the place of women they are just supposed to do what they're told? No, he's saying you now are free. You now are free and you have a willing heart. You have a choice. You are empowered to choose. Now you can choose to honor. It's no longer just an obligation by society. It's no longer an obligation by the culture. No, you've been set free. I mean, Peter's talked about a lot of freedom for believers and who we are in Christ all through this book. You know, we are, you know, king, a king, kings and priests, and we've been chosen. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. It wasn't like he was saying, and that's just for the dudes. No, he's saying this is for everybody. <laughs> And so the difference here is the context of what's being written is Peter is saying, look, ladies, you're now free. Now you can choose to willingly do this. 
you can choose to willingly submit and willingly honor this person who maybe is not perfect. Pretty sure they're not perfect, right? Can I get an amen? Okay, just kidding. (laughs) From the men, not the women. Um, (laughs) So Peter's saying, and why, why is Peter saying this? Hey, you do this so that if someone, if you happen to be in a relationship where you've given your heart to Jesus and they haven't yet, your life may win them over. Now, what this passage is not saying... It's like all these last three passages in Peter have been, used, have been abused. And so that's why we avoid them, right? Whenever you have scriptures that have been abused, a lot of times we just go, let's just not even talk about that anymore. <laughs> right? I mean, us pastors, I mean, who wants to preach this, right? Like, I, I started First Peter, and like, shoot, I forgot all the stuff that was in here. What am I thinking? Who wants to address all these issues every Sunday? And like, week in and week out, go, can we just get to John 3.16, where Jesus, God loves us, and it's amazing. <laughs> No, Peter's like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna challenge your heart because you have to be strong to go through suffering and you have to understand what it is that you don't belong on this earth. So it's not about here on earth. It's about what's going on in eternity. So your actions now matter for eternity. But what this passage is not saying is, is whatever the man wants to say that the woman just has to take it and she has to stay in an abusive situation. I mean, you know, all Scripture can be perverted and twisted to make it look like what it doesn't mean. Because, see, this is, this is a given here in the context that there has been change happening. And especially for those who are believers in Jesus, if you're a man, if you're a husband and you're a believer in Jesus, then you're operating now not upon... What the culture says, not what society says, no, what the King of Kings says. You'll notice here, isn't it interesting though? I mean, this is just totally free. There's like six verses for the ladies and only one verse for the men, right? Don't you ladies think there's a little bit of something going on there? Like, what's up with that? Uh, here, here's the answer right here. Us poor men can only take the one verse. <laughs> okay? We can only, that's it. I mean, Peter knows, he, he's, he's writing, and he writes it all, and he's like, man, that's enough, that's all we can take, man. <laughs> that one verse packs it all right in it. So he says, don't let your, again, it's all about eternity. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry. This is a really good place to get choked too. Um, is it not, Felicia? Um, but has it, hasn't the church abused this too? At times we started saying like, okay, ladies, you can't wear jewelry, you can't wear makeup, because... Right here. (laughs) It says it in the Bible. (laughs) But is that what it says? Does it say don't do that? No, it says if that's the highest priority in your life, then something is wrong. It is saying that if that is your main goal in life, is being noticed because of your appearance, then your priorities are off. And you have to understand that what counts in eternity is what's going on in your heart. What counts for change and transformation in other people is not going to be what's on the outside. It's going to be what's on the inside of you. And as we all know, as we get older, the outward is rapidly fading away. Right? 
It's fading. It's, it's going. It's all this stuff. It's like, I saw a picture of myself the other day. I know you people who are older than 44 are like, cry me a river, son. <laughs> but I saw a picture of myself on Facebook and I'm like, who in the world is that? <laughs> like, that guy's got, like, what's those wrinkles around his eyes? Man, it's like, oh, man, you're not 25 anymore. In my heart, in my head, I am, though. <laughs> right, Michael? I mean, in my head, we're still 25, brother. We're like, we can lift that. I can do that. I can run over that. I can do that with my kid. And then you're like, gosh, like six days, you know? It's like, <laughs> does it get better? No. So hourly, we're wasting away. And so that's why Jesus is saying, I mean, excuse me, Peter is saying, Jesus is saying through Peter, Hey, don't let that be your highest priority. Because that's, that's going to disappear and burn. But what's going to last forever is your heart. And what matters is what's going on in your heart. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, Calling him Lord. I just have to tell you, I joke about this verse all the time with my wife. So, and if Sarah Haney was here too, she she knows I've talked to her about it. That's uh, just because her name's Sarah, and I've told her, you know, you know, you're supposed to address Caleb as uh, Lord and Master, right? So, <laughs> so I was gonna say. That uh, just so you know that Ashley calls me Lord at home, but you all know that's not true, is it? <laughs> oh boy! You have become her children when you do what is good and do not give way to fear. See, our relationships were not meant to be ruled by fear, and that's the big thought here. The big thought here is this, that the marriage relationship, especially between two believers, is meant to shock the world so much that they say, I want what you have. That they look at your relationship and say, how do you do that? How, 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 how do you love like that? How do, how do you forgive like that? How, how do you honor one another like that? How do, you, how do you forbear? How do you put up with the things that are imperfections in your spouse? How do you put up with the annoyances? How do you put up with the differences? How do you put up with, how do you disagree and still love each other? Because what was happening in this society, in this time, was the new covenant the power of Jesus in people's lives was beginning to transform them so much that other people would notice. Every time people notice, people in the book of Acts, they're like, What's, how did you get there? We only know you're with, you were with Jesus, right? It's like, we can, we can tell you were with Jesus. And that's the point of our marriages as Christian husbands and wives is that people look at our relationships and go, You have to have been with Jesus. Because there's, it's not possible for your relationship to be working and not be totally broken and messed up. Because you know what? Without Jesus, 
Man, I don't even know how anybody could be married without Jesus. I mean, it's hard with Jesus, right? Is it hard with Jesus? Don't, don't, just, yeah, it's, it's hard sometimes. You know why? Because I'm selfish. <laughs> I'm not talking about Ashley right now because she's not in here. I'm selfish. Most of the time, I, when I'm upset with my marriage, you know, once a year only, once a year. <laughs> I'm a pastor. I can only sin twice a year, okay? <laughs> Not true. Just a joke. So, when I am unhappy in my marriage, I am mostly found it's my fault. I mean, most of the time, it's because I'm thinking about, well, I want you to be doing this and... If you would just do this more, if you were thinking about this more, if you could just do this a little bit better, it's all about who? Me. It's all about my feelings. It's all about what I want. It's all about the way I want it to be. I'm not thinking about her. And so Peter points to us right here at the end of verse 7. He says, men, you only need one verse because you can't handle more. Husbands, and he packs a lot into this verse. Let's just, let's just put it that way. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. I don't know what Peter's thinking right there. If he thinks you can understand a woman, <laughs> right, as a man, uh, he, he's got something. But what he's saying is this. Don't ever give up loving her. And be willing to understand even when you don't understand. When your head doesn't get it, let your heart carry you through your head. Let love be the greatest thing in you. And I want you to notice, as with a weaker partner, let's just address that right now. Is Peter saying that women are inferior to men, that they're weak, that they can't do things men can do. No, he's just saying they're physically not as strong. That's it. I mean, that verse has been abused as well, so I'm just highlighting that. That's what that means. It just means she can't bench press as much as you, most likely. <laughs> if you're like me and you can't bench press much, you don't, you're not sure, you know? You <laughs> You don't, you don't know. You don't want to try to find out, you know, just in case. <laughs> but that's all it's saying. It's saying it's not, she's not weaker in her mind. She's not weaker in her talent and abilities. She's not just, you know, that men were created superior, you know, God's a dude. I mean, something weird like that, okay? I mean, I've heard a hundred different explanations. Um, it's not true. First of all, God created male and female in his image, so God's not a guy. God's not a man. So, just to let you know, Jesus became a man, but all of who God is, is there's male and female in the Godhead. So I'm not saying God's a woman or God's a man. He's God. But look at what Peter does here as we get to a close here. Live with your wives in an understanding way, as with the weaker partner, showing them honor 
as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Most of us read that and we're like, oh, that sounds interesting. That's, that's good. Peter, Peter just dropped a bomb right here because he put, in that society, he put women as co-heirs. What does that mean? Equal. Equal in the kingdom. I mean, the Jewish guys would have been going, what? What? No. (laughs) Maybe they didn't say no. Hopefully they didn't say no. (laughs) But it's okay. God wants you to be honest. Sometimes you might, no. He says, look, guess what? You men, honor your wife. If you ask, if you have to ask her to submit, you're probably not worth submitting to. You're probably not living in a way that invites submission. Honor invites submission. Because when I honor you, then you're like, I'm going to honor you. I will honor you back because I know you honor me. And I know you're going to protect my heart and my life, even if I willingly submit myself to your authority and what God is leading you into. Honor them, honor your wife as one who is equal in the inheritance of Jesus Christ in your life. So that your prayers won't be hindered. Did you see anything about what would happen if the women don't do what they're supposed to do? No. That's why Peter only needed one verse. He says, you do this or heaven won't hear you. You want to know why sometimes, guys, our prayers aren't answered? It's the way we treat our wives. The Bible says right here, if you can't honor your wife, and you can't value her, and you can't lift her up to the place that God has already placed her in, if you can't encourage her and understand her and listen to her and respect her and treat her with love, then guess what? I can't hear you. I'm not saying, does God literally not hear us? I don't know. He says, your prayers will be hindered. There's a hindrance. There's something that's blocked in the spiritual realm when we don't honor our wives. I want to read one more passage here. Oh, we may be getting done early. I'm going to have to pray for a long time. They've got to finish VBS. If you have your Bible, turn to, turn to Ephesians 5. The, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. The other helpful thing when looking at one passage of Scripture is to say, what does the rest of Scripture say? And to me, this helps us understand what this other passage is saying. And we don't get to twist it into something that is what it wasn't intended for. But the main part of Peter's testimony here, once again, is to display that your life, just the way you live your life and you willingly honor 
and submit and place yourselves under people's authority, whether that's in the government, in the workplace, in a spiritual situation, uh, in, in your marriages, whatever that is, in, in all those places, because your heart has been transformed in the new covenant, because the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus, now dwells in you, you can actually do these things without living in fear. In other words, I don't have to be afraid that if I lift my wife up and let her be all that God has created to be, that somehow I'm diminished. Same way for ladies, that if you, don't, if you willingly will submit yourselves and say, Okay, God, I'm with this guy, this man that you chose for me. Whether you, you, know, whether you think God chose him or not, guess what? This is the chosen one. If you're married, this is, this is the chosen one. Go back, oh, maybe I miss God. No, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you made a covenant. It, it doesn't matter like, oh man, this is, this is not, it's just not working out. I mean, that's what it is right now, right? If it just doesn't work out, we just go, oh, this just didn't work out. We were incompatible. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> I, I think almost all humans are incompatible. <laughs> if you live with another human long enough, you're going to find out there's something incompatible about those people. I mean, you get a roommate in college, you're like, Shh. You were my friend before we lived together, but now, what is wrong with you? Get behind me, Satan. I mean, it's the same way, you know, before we're married. And it's like, man, it's, you were amazing. And then we, then we got in the same house, and you're, you're still amazing, but... but. <laughs> Let's just read the scripture here. I got lost. <laughs> Ephesians 5 and verse 21. I want to start in verse 21 because verse 21 does hook to 21, 22. It says, Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So we have to understand that the Bible talks about mutual submission and love for every believer first. Then he says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. And that might sound really hard, and it is hard. I, I, don't, I don't claim to understand what that is like from the, from the other side. So I won't address that. But I will address this side. This says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I've shared this before, but I will share it again. I still remember in, and when I was in Bible college, which is now a long time ago, um, 25 years ago or so, Pastor Jack Hayford was teaching at our chapel for the week. He was hosting a whole week. We had chapel every single day, I think. <laughs> Maybe it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I don't remember. So we had chapel at least three times a week. <laughs> and sometimes we had, we had something called spiritual emphasis week. You know, I guess we weren't emphasized enough at Bible college, so we had a whole week to do it. But hopefully we were spiritually emphasized all the time. But we had spiritual emphasis week, so you had the same speaker for the whole chapel all week. 
And it was Pastor Jack Hayford. If you haven't heard of Pastor Jack Hayford, he was one of the founding pastors of, of the Church on the Way in California. He's written hundreds of books. He was world famous. He's Foursquare uh, president at times. He's been just, you know, he's influenced pastors in every denomination, every walk of life, every, every type, of, type of situation. And so he's, he's been a man of God. And so I still remember this one thing he said. You're like, how come you didn't remember all he said? Well, I heard a lot of sermons in Bible college. So, <clears throat> but he said this, and I never forgot it. He said, I, he, was, he was talking about marriage, and he was talking about uh, the scripture that said, women submit to their husbands just as the church submits to Christ. And men, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And Pastor Jack said, he, he prayed to God and said, Lord, this is not fair. This is not fair. Have you seen how the church submits to Christ? Not very good. <laughs> That's the standard for ladies. What does the church look like compared to Jesus? Wow. But husbands, our example is Jesus laying down his life and dying on a cross. And Pastor Jack said, do you know what God said to me? Nothing. Silence from heaven. In other words, you already see what it was written, son. <laughs> There's nothing more to add to it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we're members of his body. And he quotes uh, Genesis there. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. To sum it up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. What do we get from this passage? Is this. A life laid down in love will transform somebody else. And I know I'm probably picking on the husbands more because, man, I can't go from the wife's side very long. <laughs> but husbands, if you will do this for your wife, she will be transformed. She will be transformed. She will be free you will, you will help deliver her from fear, and she will love you back like you wouldn't believe. I'm not saying I'm practicing or have learned all this yet. I'm learning and growing. I've been married for 16 years, and I have a good marriage. Not because I'm a pastor, because God knows there's all kinds of pastors with horrific marriages. And there's all kinds of Christians with horrific marriages. But it shouldn't be. I have rarely seen a marriage where the husband is laying down his wife, life for his wife 
that is not a good marriage. Because if husbands have been entrusted with leadership, then you go first. Leaders go first. Leaders take the first step. Leaders make the first decision. Leaders make the first move. And the first move that the Bible says, that the Word of God says, is lay down your life. You've got dreams, you want to do all this stuff, lay down your life. You've got opinions and the way you want to have things done, lay down your life. It's just not working out. Lay down your life. Are you loving your wife more than anything or anyone else on earth? Including your kids. You lay down your life, she'll be transformed. Just like Jesus laid down his life, and the church, the people of God, are being transformed. And what a witness to the world... It is when a godly marriage preaches the gospel. First of all, I want to dispel one untruth that's out there, a statistic that's repeated over and over and over again in the church that's not true. That statistic is this. The divorce rate in the church is the same as in the world. It's not true. That it, that is a, that's, that's totally false. In Bible-believing churches, I'm not talking about just religion. I'm talking about in Bible-believing churches that preach and believe in the totality of the Word of God, the divorce rate is much, much lower than 50%. But we've all heard, oh, the divorce rate is the same in the church. It's 50%, just like the world. It's not true. That's for like people who are just like barely connected and have a religious affiliation with church. With people who are connected in a body of believers who love one another and who are devoted to the word of God and the worship of God and love and honor and grace and truth, much, much lower. And is it zero? No. We're all broken, brunts of broken people. We mess up and do things and we do wrong and we're immature and we have things that were, are in us that are still being cleansed out of us. But don't believe for a second that following Jesus puts you on the same level as the world. No, we've been lifted to a new place, not in a place of pride, but in a place of, of mercy. A place of, of like thanksgiving. Oh God, thank you. So I want to put hope in your heart too. Because sometimes we throw it. I've heard that preached. I've heard it preached at conferences. It's not true. It's not true. You don't have a 50-50 shot with Jesus. Your odds are much, much better. And if you'll follow Jesus, both of you, if you'll both follow Jesus, you will make it. And you will be blessed. Did I say you won't hate that person every once in a while? Absolutely not. (laughs) Did I say that you won't have thoughts that are sinful toward them? And you're like, man, if that wasn't illegal, I... (laughs) No, I'm not promising that. What I am promising, though, is that God is greater than your heart. He's greater than your sin. He's greater than your weakness. And His mercy is new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. 
So great can be our faithfulness because of the faithfulness of God in my life. And I, am, I want to be one who trusts in the faithfulness of God that at the end of my life that somebody can say, that man loved Jesus, that man loved Ashley, that man loved his kids, and that man loved the people that were entrusted to him. And God will say at the end, well done, good and faithful servant. So here's my assignment for you. I know for some of you who are single, you're like, boy, that was fascinating. I'm glad you were preaching to those husbands. Um, maybe God's preparing you for the future. I'm not declaring or predicting anything. I'm just saying I don't know what your future holds. But for you couples, here's what I encourage you to do this week. I feel like God said, take communion together this week. We're not doing communion this morning. I know it's first Sunday. We're kind of just changing things up and not getting stuck in a rut. Get with your spouse this week and take communion together. Just you guys together. Get with Jesus. Read the Word. Do something where you are together joining your hearts to the covenant with Jesus. That's going to strengthen the covenant you have with one another. So let me pray for you, and then we'll respond with some prayer time at the end. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for the Word of God that's living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. God, and if we need to be cut up so that we can be made whole, so that we can look more like Jesus, then we invite you. We invite you, God. Lord, I just declare the grace of God over every marriage represented here. I declare the grace of God over every marriage that is to be, that is represented here, God. Every heart here that is represented, God, that you would pour out the grace of God and the mercy of God, that we would access all that we have available so that we can live a life free from fear, free from dishonor, free from unforgiveness, God, free from the brokenness that has plagued humans for all eternity, God, since the beginning, I mean. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are bringing beauty from ashes, God, that even if we find ourselves in our relationship, if we're in the middle of brokenness and everything's been burned up, Lord, there's still hope because you're alive. And you take beauty, you take ashes, and you make them beautiful, Lord. And so I thank you, Lord, that even in the midst of the situations right now that look like ashes, I speak life into them. I speak hope into those hearts right now in Jesus' name. I, I speak understanding into those hearts in the name of Jesus. We, we just encourage forgiveness right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that let forgiveness be released where it needs to be released. Thank you, Lord, that we're not done yet. Thank you, Lord, that we can live our lives that preach the gospel of Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. I want our leaders to come forward. If we could have a few of our leaders come up front here. If you have never given your heart to Jesus, if you are here and you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What is all this stuff? What's the, what is the Word of God? What does that mean? And you're, you're like, I want to do that, though. This is the right time to do that. Come up and see one of these people. If you need healing in your body... If you are here and you have anything in your body that's not quite right and you want somebody to pray with you, 
then come on up here and let one of these leaders pray for you. Uh, and we were believing that God is going to release healing. If you have any other kind of need that you just want someone to agree with you, um, please don't leave without getting prayer. So, everybody stand. If you all want to stand, if, you, if you're ready to be dismissed, you can be dismissed. But those that would like prayer, please come on up and our leaders will be glad to pray for you. God bless you and we will be here again on Wednesday nights for the adults in this room here.